This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. You're having a laugh. MyMac.com podcast number 330. And welcome to this week's MyMac podcast number 330. And there's no guy. Oh, no guy. No guy. Just how will I survive? I know. I'll ring David up. Hello. <laughs> Hello, David. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Since we met recently, I think I think we've mentioned this on both podcasts now, haven't we? The fact it was that a we fle- a fleeting meeting, a fleeting meeting. Yes. Yeah. So, did you have a good New Year? It was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it was fairly quiet, which was exactly what I wanted. Good. Um, good. I must admit, since I come back, um, you know, having had the two weeks off, it's been absolutely insane. Which uh, is not so much fun, but that's uh, the way it is. That's the way. That's the way the cookie crumbles, isn't and it? And of course, of course, last year I had the perfect, uh, I had the perfect excuse for not doing anything during January because I kept on saying, well, I'm away in San Francisco at the end of January, so I can't commit to anything. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't got that excuse this year. <laughs> Oh dear, what a shame. Well, thanks very much for standing in why, why Guy's over there travelling to Macworld, but yes, more of that later. Um, we've actually got an interview um, for the middle section this week. I'm going to try and keep the same format. Um, and we've got an in- interview with the developer of Carbon Copy Cloner. So I actually did that interview a couple of days ago, so I'm going to put that into the middle section. Um, okay. So what I'm going to do now... Um, for the listeners and for you and if you'd like to jump in at any time David I'm going to go through the articles which are currently on the on the website I'm going to go through them fairly quickly and um, just before you do that can I just ask have we run too long on this segment yet yes because I know I know that's a theme of the show is to keep asking that question on the interval So don't, don't worry, listeners, you're not going to miss that service. You know, yes, that service, that service, that service yeah. by David Cohen. Thank you very much. You're such a help. <laughs> I, I do my best. <laughs> okay, well, the first article on the MyMac.com uh, website this week is L Media Player Review by Mike Breed. Um, this is a media player. Ha-ha. <laughs> Clever, huh? Uh, but you'll have to buy the pro version to go full screen, which I think is a bit of a swizz. And that's actually a comment that's um, um, below the article. Um, but if you, not, go on. Not, I mean, a fairly competitive market, the media player market on the Mac. So <laughs> that's kind of a gutsy move by the developer. It is very. Um, but anyway, I mean, if you want to give it a go and you've got a video codec that you can't play, give Vel Media uh, Player a go. Uh, it's free, but obviously, if you want to go full screen, it's twenty dollars. Um, Mike gives the player an eight out of ten, so it's um, it seems to be a useful little um, media player. Uh, next is Mog. Now, <laughs> this is by our friend John Nemo, 
Um, and he's asked, Mog, is this the new Napster? Now, it's a paid subscription streaming service. Uh, for $10 a month, you can listen to loads of different types of music. Pretty similar, uh, David, I think, to Spotify over here in Europe. Absolutely. And um, I guess... This is one of those developers, they're desperately hoping that iTunes doesn't do this at any point. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've made a comment here, and I, I think that we're going to be seeing more of these sorts of services appearing soon. But uh, anyway, John likes the service, so go ahead and read his review if you'd like to uh, give it a go. Um, next on the website is uh, Photoshop CS5, Scoots with 8 gig of RAM. Funny, we're going to be talking about 8 gig of RAM later in the show. Yeah. Um, but John Hamilton Farr, um, is that right? Is that his name? Have I got that right? That's his name, yeah. Um, ba- basically, it's more of a comment about uh, loading extra RAM into your machine while whilst using Photoshop CS5. John's now got 8 gig of RAM and he advises that if you have the capacity in your machine for that much RAM, go for it. Absolutely. We'll, we will wax lyrical about that at uh, some point in the future. We will do. Uh, next on the website is Noise Hush Solar Vision N650 Bluetooth Car Kit. <laughs> that's, by, that's, by, that's by Suzay Gilbert. I'm not going to put any little articles in there or any tunes no. from Suzay because I think I just got it right. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. Um, well, Suzay didn't, well, she didn't like it, the holder actually, when it was attached to the windscreen. I'm going to let you read the article to find out why. And there's a couple of other issues there, and she's given it a lowly 3 out of 10. Yes, certainly for our UK listeners, given the level of sunshine we get here, I wouldn't have thought this would be necessarily (laughs) much of a help. (laughs) But uh, maybe if you're a Californian and, uh, you know, you're used to 360 days a year of bright sunshine, then uh, (laughs) maybe it'll do something for you. Absolutely. Now, next on the website is a power pack battery case with kickstand and a dock from Kensington. Uh, This is a review from Jackie Richards. Uh, it's an iPad stand and power pack. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like the idea of the stand with the built-in kickstand. Mm. Um, you know, the uh, uh, sorry, a back with a built-in kickstand. <laughs> I'm, I'm really a bit bemused that anybody would actually feel that you would need to add extra batteries to the iPad because it lasts for so long as it does. Well, J- I, Jackie, I guess if you, yeah, go on. Uh, well, I guess if if you know you really are uh, averse to recharging your iPad and you want to use it for very long periods, and this might be for you. Well, I suppose the only... The, the, the one thing you might want to use it on, if, if, if you're going camping... Let's, if you're going camping and you've only got, you know, the occasional use of a PowerPoint, then, you know, that could be useful there. Um, I mean, Jackie rates it and gives it a 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. I, I wonder how much weight. I didn't see... Um, I think I probably glanced through it too quickly. I didn't see how much extra weight it puts onto the to the iPad. But, no, it's, she's, she's rated it quite highly, and if you need more power, um, then go take a look. Yes. Um, we've got the Vario stand, which is a Vario stand and case for the iPod. Um, it says also and iPhone, so there must be a different version up there as well, which is available. Again, this is by our friend uh, John Nemo. It's a stand for the iPad. Well, it, basically, reading through, I think it might have gotten a higher score from John if the price was a little bit more reasonable. Um, but he's given it a 7 out of 10. I've, I've said he gets a 7 out of 10 My Mac mark. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's $45 is probably a bit, bit stiff for a stand, really. Yeah. There yeah. Are, there are quite a lot of 
of cheaper options out there that uh, that might do the job for you. Absolutely. Um, now the next the next piece I'm gonna it's it's tech fan number fifteen. It is, and it's called Pre MacWorld Expo iPhone Audio Recording. So, well, as you were on it, David, do you want to give us just a brief pricey? Uh, was I there? Um, well, I can't remember. I were, you on, were, were you there? Perhaps you weren't there. there. Yes. <laughs> I was there. Are you winding me like, up? It was last week, so uh, I'll try and trace from my memory what we talked about. No, I mean, we, we talked about, um, we did briefly talk about Macworld Expo, but actually we talked at some length about uh, Apple's sales figures. Obviously, they released their quarterly results and had an excellent um, excellent quarter, the best quarter ever. And we, we really talked about some of the trends that, that kind of we were seeing and, and and how we felt about about those numbers and um, how some of the technology in the iPad is starting to cross over to the laptop line now. Yeah. And um, obviously those numbers have been fairly well dissected right across the the tech blogosphere. So, um, you know, that was just really our take on it. Excellent. Uh, we, did, we did obviously mention... Um, you know, mention Macworld and, and what Tim's going to be doing with Guy um, at, at Macworld. Macworld Live next, I think it's uh, Saturday at midday. It's, a fr- it's either Friday or Saturday at midday. Anyway, um, Saturday, sorry, yes, definitely. At midday, they'll be broadcasting live, and that will be streamed from the Macworld site as well. So if you want to, uh, if you want to see how these uh, shows are created live, unedited, and uh, <laughs> in visual form, yes, then yes. knock yourself out there. Oh, yes, I think that might be good, yeah. that might be good fun, actually. Tim and Guy are old hands at that. We, yeah. we, we did, Guy and I did that last year, and, and, uh, and Tim also did a show from there as well, so uh, I'm sure that will be fairly entertaining. Uh, and we also talked about um, how Tim was going to do interviews at the show, which is using a, a very nifty... Um, yeah, I, thought, I like the idea of that. I, I, uh, I've, I've actually ordered one of these... So um, this is a, a cable that lets you connect a, a full professional XLR microphone to your iPhone or iPad and then record directly into the, uh, into the iPhone. So um, I look forward to hearing how that, that works out for him, but it should be quite a, quite a good setup. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, now, next um, was a review from Tim himself, um, fearless leader, as Guy likes to call him, uh, for the Pangea Arcade Review. Um, now, you've got to get in quick, as this game currently, it's, it's free. Well, you haven't got to get in quick at all. It's currently free in the yeah. Mac App Store. Uh, but once it's out of promotion, it goes at $4.99. Now, that's not yeah. that. It's, that's not hardly going to break the bank of course no but free um, is free free is free uh and being a boy of the 80s tim scores this an eight out of ten so go shoot them up now i believe um, you i believe you got this didn't you i i bought i actually bought this last night as well i've not had a chance to play it yet but um it's basically three reworkings modernized reworkings of some classic 80s arcade games being asteroids missile command and centipede mm-hmm. so if you've ever played any of those games and you fancy having another go <laughs> this is a an easier and prettier way of doing doing it rather than going in and getting hold of a copy of MAME or uh, anything like that to play the originals. Uh, and uh, they certainly do look very pretty, yeah. as, uh, as the Americans might say. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, Pangea are very good at doing this sort of thing. So, yeah, and yeah. Can't argue with free. Can't argue uh, with free at all. That, that's a Mac App Store game, by the way, not yes. a game. is probably worth yes. mentioning. Yes, that, yeah. yes. Um, 
Now, next on the site uh, are two iPad cases, both from Griffin. Uh, the Elan Form Graphite case for iPad scores 8 out of 10 at 44.99, and the Elan Reveal scores 8 out of 10 again. Oh, now, have I got that score right? I might have got that wrong, actually. I think it might have been 7 out of 10 for the Elan Form Graphite. Um, I'll have to check that in, in the break and correct myself. But um, the uh, Elan Reveal actually uh, is 34.99. Now, they're iPad cases. Do I really need to say much more? <laughs> if, you, if you're really into iPad cases, go and read the review. <laughs> I tell you, the, the website... Like with the cases, you, you, you settle on one and you buy it, yeah. and then that's pretty much it. Well, well, it that's right. Well, I've got the, I've got the original iP- uh, the Apple case, and I, I still yeah. use that. I think it's fine, but, you know, there you go. I think you're right. You buy a case, and then that's it. You stick with it. Yeah. Uh, lastly, um, Mike Breed is nuts about anything to do with science. Those are his words, not mine. Uh, He reviews Solar System for iPad. Um, As the title hints, this is an app that tells you all about the Solar System, and Mike gives it a grand 9 out of 10, my Mac rating. Um, It does look very good. Yeah, well, I've actually got a note here, and I said, it does look pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, These are the guys who did, um, this is from TouchPress, who did the Elements... Uh, and that was kind of the poster child for educational software on the iPad when it was first launched. So this is um, their next one, uh, and there's an awful lot of information there. I think I will have to get hold of this because I'm sure my, my lad would particularly enjoy this one. Yeah, I, I can't remember the price now. Uh, $13.99. $13. That's right, because I know it was 7 I think it was about seven ninety nine in the UK. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's right. Now, well, you may argue that that's... I mean, that, that's all towards the upper end for a, an iOS app. If you compare what you would pay for uh, a decent Dorling Kindersley book on yes. the system, yes. it's actually a pretty Definitely. good deal. Yeah. It looks a really good good app, actually. So, and that's all the articles for this week. So um, I think we'll finish it there and we'll, we'll jump into the break. As I say, we've got quite a long... We must interview. be running long already. Yeah, yeah, you didn't ask the question, did you? <laughs> Are we running long yet? <laughs> Are we running long yet, Gary? Or Gaz? Or whatever your name is. Um, so we're going we're gonna to drop out now and go into our first break. And after the break, we've got the interview with uh, Mike Bombick. I, now, that I, I said Mike Bombick. Bombick. No, it's Bombick. And if you listen to the interview, you'll find out why. Oh, and he's, go. got, he's got a lovely little way of reminding people as to why and how. But okay. uh, he's the developer for Carbon Copy Cloner. So would you like to say it or shall I stay, say it? Uh, I'll, I'll, I would love to say it. Okay, go on. Stand by to stand by. We'll be right back. That's it. Good one. Hey, my Mac listeners, Sam Levin here from App Minute, the ultimate, ultimate source for app news and information. Cool things about all your iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, Android, anything that connects to those devices, we're all over it. And in less than two minutes, you can get your fix from appminute.com. Check it out today. It's a free podcast. You can listen live under your browser or via iTunes. Check it out today at appminute.com. And welcome back to the MyMac.com podcast. Well, I have been indicating I've got an interview, so here it comes. Um, You'll probably all recognise the software that this uh, particular developer creates. Um, You may or may not recognise the name, although the website is actually um, from the surname of Mr. 
Mike. Now, I'm going to probably pronounce this totally wrong, but you, I'm sure you'll uh, correct me. Uh, it's Mike uh, Bomich. Is that correct, Mike? That's pretty close. It's Bombic. Ah! You a lot it. of people get it wrong. I've got a little... Uh, little catchphrase that helps people remember it's like the pen not the dog <laughs> most people get it wrong the worst way <laughs> yes I, I i didn't want to say the, the yeah uh, we'll leave it there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like i like that little correction so everyone everyone now is going to meet you it's going to get it right you see so uh, well everyone listening to this particular podcast anyway um yep. okay now you are the developer i think just the sole developer of a particular type of software um and it is called well a lot of people call it ccc uh and a lot of people call it carbon copy cloner mm -hmm. now how long has carbon copy cloner been on the software shelves as it were uh as of three days ago it's been nine years nine yeah. years my word yeah, I first released it January 18th of 2002. That's that's incredible. So what what got you into creating that piece of so software, Mike? Yeah, it was actually the the first cloning and backup software for Mac OS X. Right. And it it was entirely out of necessity. I uh worked for a university about 9 years ago doing some some Mac tech support and it was it was right around the time of the Mac OS 9 to Mac OS 10 transition. And uh, we had been doing some deployments of Mac OS 9, and there was this really handy tool called uh, Apple Software Restore that would, would make that cloning really easy. Well, when Mac OS 10 came out, there really weren't any tools for doing that kind of cloning or backup. And uh, there was even a myth or, at the time that, that you couldn't clone Unix, that uh, it just wasn't possible. There was, you know, root ownership and permissions and all this scary Unixy sounding stuff that uh, a lot of Mac admins weren't very familiar with. So some so, people so, so where do you think where do you think that. those rumors came from? But they they weren't from a certain other side of the um OS um environment, <laughs> were they? <laughs> uh well, you know, I think it was just fear. You know, the the people who were fear of were, change. Yeah, the the early Mac adopters, the the people who really liked the way Mac OS 9 worked, that it was really easy, that you didn't have to peek under the covers to, to figure out how things worked. Mm. Um, I think those people had a certain amount of fear um, from this Unix side of things. But I, I took the opposite approach. Um, as soon as I learned that you know, Mac OS 10 was going to be based on Unix, I embraced it and decided, you know, if, if we're going to move forward, we could fear this and run from it and be left behind, or we could embrace it and figure out how it works. So I kind of took it upon myself to uh, to prove that little myth wrong, and figure out what it took to actually do a to create a bootable clone of Mac OS X. And it was probably I don't know six months to a year before I developed CCC that I figured out how to do it, and I created some shell scripts and some documentation uh, to show people how to do it. And then some tools came out um, way back in the day. I was using AppleScript and AppleScript Studio, yeah. and uh, I developed Carbon Copy Cloner. And I, I can still remember the first day that uh, I submitted it to Version Tracker. And I think probably a lot of developers feel the same way. You know, your your fingers hovering over the the submit button, and you're thinking <laughs> somebody else is going to you know post the same application. Maybe it's going to be better, and you know you have no idea how it's going to turn out. But yeah. it. Uh, 
it, it really had quite an impact on the Mac community at the time. It was really impressive. Um, so, so you just decided that, that because there was no cloning software out there or it, just to get in there first or, or, or was it a reason um, to actually obviously um, – was it to sell the product or was it actually to – some people say, and I'm, I'm not sure I like this expression, to, to scratch an itch um, or was it just because you thought you could? It was entirely because I thought I could. And, right. you know, making money on this – was the furthest thing from my mind, believe it or not. And I I worked in academia, and it was entirely, I think I could save other people time. This saves me time. Yeah. Um, I could make this just a little bit more generic, you know, don't hard code the source and the target, and uh, make it something that everyone can use. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always justify the time that I put into it, that if I save, you know, a dozen other people this amount of time, then it's totally worth it. Excellent. Excellent. And the, the the application is, in fact, still donationware. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's been donationware the whole time. And it, it it's kind of a funny history in regards to the donationware. I, I initially said, you know, I don't I don't want to accept any money for this. Uh, but I actually got a lot of demand. You know, people were like, we really want to compensate for this. <laughs> It, it was really from my wife. My wife was like, "Take their money." <laughs> you know, she was like, "You can take me out to dinner, and uh, you know, we could have a nice time." So the nights that you aren't spending time with me, you know, we can make up for that. What well, do you do? You think that 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 is because people like the software so much, and they think, "Well, actually, we want one. We want to give this guy some money because it's such a good piece of software, and because it is actually saving me a lot of time and obviously money." Um, per se, and and also, do you think there's a little bit of of, of self um, requirement there to say, hey, we'd like this guy to continue, you know, developing the application. So getting a little bit of money might, you know, encourage him to carry on doing that. Do you think there's a little bit of that as well? Yeah, I think there's both, and and I know there's both because I get I got a lot of email, and I've gotten so much snail mail over the years too. Um, I've I've really been touched by some of the the emails that I get. And I mean, I get a lot of emails, just people are like, you know, I wish I could send more. I just lost my job. And I'm like, oh, good grief, dude, please don't, yeah. don't send me money. <laughs> but you know, I get a lot of emails from, from schools and, you know, just people who have, you know, almost lost data because, you know, their hard drive died and yeah. thank goodness they had a backup. And it, there, there's a little bit of it saved my bacon. You know, it's totally worth to send you some money. And and there's certainly some people that just think you know we, it's the way I feel. If you know you want good products, you you should give a little money for it. Excellent. So there's a little bit of both. Yeah, excellent. So basically, um, you are Mr. CC and uh, CCC or Mr. Carbon Copy Cloner, and you're a one-man coding team, I assume. Yeah. Um, not that I wouldn't like to expand. It's just uh, it's been uh, a one-person deal for a while. Yeah. I, I worked for Apple for eight years. You worked and for Apple for eight eight years. Well, that's yeah. What, was I, that was that before or after the the time of Carbon Copy Clone, or is it? Um, or I was hired about five months after I first published CCC, and then I hung it up last August so that I could do this full time. Right, and it it was a good long run with Apple, and you know I got to be very very technical working for Apple, and you know maintained uh, my. Apple certified system administrator status for, you know, a good seven, eight years. 
So, so, so has that given you an insight into um, the systems? I mean, I, d- I don't know, obviously, what you did within Apple, and I, I won't pry because I know that the way the privacy goes on with Apple, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure you have a, a good link with a few people there. But did did uh, the job that you did there, did that give you an insight as to how to improve um, your your application at all? Or, or would, you that, know, would that just be you being a good coder knowing how to improve it? I would actually look at it exactly the opposite way. I'd say that that I was able to excel in my job because of what I did with Carbon Copy Cloner and, and some of the other software that I de- ended up developing on the side. Right. Um, I, I had a, a pretty good feeling for Mac OS X um, prior to going to Apple. And then obviously, you know, I got lots of training while at Apple. But it, it was really self-motivation that a lot of the other people in my same position uh, didn't take to the extreme that I did. I I would just dive vertically into the OS and and figure out how the bits and pieces worked um, more than I think the average guy. And that that helped me with CCC, but it also really helped me with uh, with sales, which is what I did. I was a technical part of the sales team. But while I was at Apple, I also developed some other apps, um, one being NetRestore, which is, uh, if you're familiar with Ghost or Windows, uh, NetRestore is yes, kind of the yes. counter on the Mac. Excellent. So um, did you always know you wanted to get into coding from school? It, you know, is, has coding been in your blood uh, from a young age, or uh, did you kind of drift into uh, becoming a developer? I'm so glad you asked the question because a lot of people are surprised when they learned that I actually got a master's in biology. Um, I studied aquatic ecology uh, for a couple of years after college, and I'm still fascinated with biology, and I love nature. Yeah, I studied zebra mussels and the round goby in Lake Erie, and it was <laughs> fascinating stuff. I mean, I loved the field work, but what I discovered is that you can put years of your heart into a project and and have it fail and get nothing from it right and i found that very disappointing even though i i loved the work um but then i could sit down at the computer and you know what i did is i had like nine thousand zebra mussels that i needed to measure i line them up on a piece of paper took a picture of it brought the picture into adobe illustrator drew lines from each end of the uh the muscle and then I wrote a script that would parse out the coordinates of the lines, figure out how long it was, and dump it into a spreadsheet. And that, I, I took maybe a day on that, and it was just, it was exhilarating. I was like, oh, my goodness, I've, I've cut the amount of time that this part of the project is going to require um, down to 30%. And <laughs> I found that so addictive, that instant gratification was so addictive. And it's also a, a little bit of creation. I I really like to create things. I want to be making something. Right. And I I couldn't do that with with the field research. That was all about discovery, which is certainly gratifying to some people. But I want to create something. I want to make something. Yeah. And I can make something every day, sitting in my Mac. So so when you say make something, do you? Um, because I'm I'm not a, a coder at all. I'm not a developer. Um, so. So this may be a bit of a stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you, if you create um, a new line of code which you haven't visited before or something which is, you know, completely new, do you deem that as making something? Yes. Every every little feature within 
CCC, I find very gratifying. Well, maybe not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> Every time I create something new and I, I, I can manipulate the objects on the screen and, and make it do something productive or you know, give you a little bit more information about something that's going on, I find that, that that's the creation part for me, and that's very gratifying. Excellent. Um, I'm relatively new, although it seems I've been using a Mac for, you know, years and years and years, but relatively new because I'd, I didn't start using one until uh, the back end of 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first pieces of software within the first few months that I, I uh, got was actually, or, or tried out, was actually Carbon Copy Cloner. And I think then, I'm not sure, you might have to correct me here, but I think then I, I stopped using it because I couldn't, I don't think I could boot up from a USB clone at that time. You had a PowerPC Mac? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I then I then left it and then didn't come back to it and went over to, you know, I, I, I'm going to spit in the glass now and say super duper. <laughs> um, uh, and it could. Um, now... I, I kept coming back to your website occasionally and looking, and um, I think once I finally moved over to Intel, I was kind of so entrenched with um, you know that other piece of software. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I felt that there was a time, um, a length of time, when perhaps SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Clover rather wasn't being, it wasn't seemingly moving on. Now, was there a spell uh, for Carbon Copy Cloner where it was perhaps? Uh, I'm not going to say you left it, but where it was perhaps just uh, rolling along at all, or, or is yeah, that, you know. You... And I actually appreciate that you asked it because there. I, again, I spent eight years working for Apple, and in every developer's life, you come to a point where you you find new projects and you're getting different bits of gratification out of other things that you do. And there was for a, a while, like right around 2005, that uh, version. 2.3 was was what was available for a few years. Right. And Apple will suck you dry. <laughs> I don't think any NDA is going to prevent me from saying that. <laughs> if you let it, Apple will really suck you dry. And my first son was also born in 2005. So I definitely had a lot of, of different things going on around that time. Um, but the, the whole time I was working on a newer version and at one point, right around in 2007, I made the decision to cut all of the other applications that I had been working on, um, which was about a, a dozen or so. Um, I took a lot of them off my website, and I decided my focus now is CCC. And, you know, there, there were a couple years worth of development time that I had put into those other apps that I didn't put into CCC. Right. And it, it certainly did fall behind competitively, which... You know, retrospectively, I'm just incredibly disappointed about that. I'm also disappointed that, you know, I didn't leave Apple sooner. But unfortunately, with healthcare and... Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. You know, commitments come along and and you have to make a choice at the time and you're hoping that you're you're making the the, the right choice and you just have to move on from there. So that's fair. That's fair enough. So, So, so yeah, in about 2007, I did make the commitment to to move forward with it and give it all my go. And it was last August, well, prior to August, that I decided um, to cut off the the third leg of, of Apple in my life. And now I can focus on family and CCC. 
and that's that's what's really making it much more successful now. Yes, yeah, because uh, you've you've made some major changes to the website. I like the website now as well, um, and uh, and I think you've been uh, improving or you've been getting. Um, uh, uh, improvements to the software and updates to the software on a fairly regular basis so um you know all's good for ccc at the moment and presumably for you know a little while into the future at least yeah you know the since august i've released probably five updates and fixed i would say a hundred bugs easily and can, can I jump in there? I, I must admit, yeah. I, I asked earlier, uh, I said just on the, 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 the few minutes before we, we went into the interview, I told you that I'd, I'd put out a request for questions on Twitter, uh, and I got a, a few questions back, which we'll go through in a, a few minutes. But one person did say to me, well, uh, I stopped using it because it, it, it did fail on me a couple of times, and, and obviously it didn't do a backup, so he, he moved elsewhere. So... Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's those things which obviously you're hoping. Of, I mean, no piece of software is absolutely perfect. There, I mean, we'd be we'd be floating around on on platforms like um, like they do in the movies. But it's it's um, obviously you've got to a point where you're quite happy with uh, a lot of those bug fixes, and you're just moving on with uh, improvements from this point forward. Is that is that a fair yeah, statement? Absolutely. I'm I've fixed so many bugs. I actually feel like I can do new features now, right. and that's. I'm actually planning a new feature release uh, for the next update. And on that, actually, I did get a reply from someone, and you have indicated that you might know this person, So, but it, it moves on to a, fi- uh, a story which you, you may want to tell. Somebody just did ask me, could he go into detail about any Mew features? <laughs> which, which I didn't read that and thought there's a misspelling and ignored it, but apparently it's not a misspelling. Yeah, that's an inside joke. <laughs> a great big Mew Fest. Somebody had a misspelling in uh, their their keynote presentation. And if you can imagine a room full of 150 uh, nerds. Same, same, same minded Mew. people. Mew. Mew. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I bet they, ne- they never lived that one down. No. So, so are there any actually new features rather than Mew features that you can mention? Or, you know, would, uh, would you prefer to keep quiet on those just for the time being? Um. Most of them I'm not going to mention yet, but okay. th- there is one that, or I guess a couple that um, that I'm looking forward to adding. Um, a lot of people have been asking to be able to, to back up the contents of a network volume. So right now, CCC requires that uh, the source is a locally attached HFS Plus formatted hard drive uh, or a same type of hard drive connected to a remote Macintosh. Um, but a lot of people have, uh, you know, an Airport Express base station with a hard drive attached to it or an SMB share, and they just wanted to back up the contents of that network share to a local drive. Uh, likewise, some people want to back up directly to a network share versus to a disk image on a network share, which is what most um, backup apps do. So, for example, Time Machine, uh, if you back up to a time capsule, it'll create a disk image on that network share and there's some very technical reasons for doing that. You, uh, if you want to preserve various file system metadata for, for HFS, uh, you have to back up to an HFS volume. Backing up to an AFP or an SMB share is different. There's just a lot of stuff that, that can't be preserved. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people don't care about whether or not access control lists are preserved. <laughs> that, 
That totally makes sense. So one of the things that I'm looking at adding for the next update uh, is the ability to back up uh, to and from these network shares. Now, that said, the performance is is just not particularly impressive. And I think a lot of people experience that with uh, uh, the time capsule. Yeah. The performance is less than stellar. So I, I'm not going to promise awesome performance. In fact, a, a quick test that I did, I have a, a hard drive attached to a Mac Mini in my basement. And CCC can back up directly to that remote Mac um, using R-Sync on the back end. So I did a test using that method of backup and then backing up to the same hard drive while it's mounted via AFP. And CCC was three times faster going directly to the Mac using R-Sync. So it's, it's not stellar performance, but, you know, a lot of people have been asking for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, you know, if to go back to the earlier thing, if they've got an itch and they need it scratching and they have to go that that route or they want to go that route, then, you know, if it doesn't take too much of your time and you can get that as a an additional um, extra into the software, then um, why not? Why not? Exactly. Exactly. Now, one question I did get was um, off Twitter was... Basically wanted to know between the, the you know the, the key any key differences between uh, carbon clock and copy cloner and and super duper because he he says he's invested in super duper and and not likely to change now I don't think I, I don't particularly want to go down the route of uh, any key differences unless you've got any on the top of your head because you know we're not here to knock super duper or you know uh, just go on and on and on about carbon copy cloner but if there's any key differences that you know of um, now's a good time. To, to mention it, but I've actually got a follow-up uh, question for my, myself on that. I've got just two points that I'll, that I'll make. Um, one, I'm, I'm always interested in side-by-side performance comparisons. I've, I've invested a lot of time into uh, to the actual performance of the backup, and in my tests, I've yet to find something that's faster. Right. Um, the other thing is I can back up to a remote Mac, so if you've got multiple Macs uh, in your house... I can do backups of multiple machines to a, uh, a central Mac. So a lot of people find that kind of setup very, very useful. Cool, cool. I didn't know about that one. That's quite useful. And I'm actually, a, a lot of people don't realize this, but one of the things that you're paying for when you, when you buy SuperDuper is this this smart update feature. And that's actually something that CCC just does by default. CCC, and a lot of people just don't realize this, CCC will only copy files to the destination hard drive uh, if they've been modified. So CCC won't copy everything every single time. It'll do that that smart update every single time. Excellent. Excellent. Now, my, my follow-up question and, and something which I'd got written down for some while was, is it a good idea to put all of your eggs in one basket, i.e. in one cloning basket? Or do you think it, you know, it, it's a good idea to perhaps use different cloning tools? Because, because obviously, some you know, if something goes wrong and you don't follow it through, and I've got another follow-up question to that one afterwards. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you know, and and you're using one particular piece of software, if something goes wrong with that software and you use it on multiple machines, having not checked your backups, then you know, all of your eggs being in one basket could be dangerous. So, is that a possible reason to use more than one cloner, or are we going too far? You know, are we stretching the the limits of getting too many pieces of software doing the same job? Um, it's not a bad idea. Um, again, my bio- biology background kicks in here, and I think that you know the, the population is 
is better off if you know, you know there's people using different types of solutions. Yeah. Um, but that said, you know, my setup, I've got a Mac Mini in the basement. It's got two hard drives attached to it. Um, all the computers in my house back up to the, the primary staging hard drive. Then the staging hard drive is synced to the offsite backup disk. And I've got two two terabyte disks that I rotate biweekly. My wife just takes it to work and she uses it for backup there. Yeah. So for me, it's not having multiple backup solutions. It's having multiple disks that I find that that's the level of redundancy that I yeah. have. But yeah, yeah. But to your point... You know, if if the backup isn't actually occurring, if it's just saying, yeah, everything looks good to me, and you don't verify, um, that puts you in a bad position. And that was actually the second feature that I wanted to, to bring up that I'm I'm working on for the next major release of CCC, not the next update, but the next major release uh, is something that will do a much more in-depth verification of your backup, because that's something that a lot of people really need. That, that's that's great, because one of the things I've actually written down here, which you can't see, um, obviously my uh, little script of questions I've got for you is, you know, will you or, you know, would it be a good idea to have a check disk once complete? So you've answered that question. Super. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something I get all the time. And it's something that some people have asked for i don't get a lot of requests for it but i think it's something that everybody needs i think it's, it's important. not something you need to do every day no but i think that you know if you've got a scheduled backup task that periodically uh especially if you're not using the system it should read every single file calculate a checksum and make sure that that what's there is actually there. well well one of the things that people always say is you know first of all they want to get to get people to back up that's the first port of call and then the next thing they they then say well you want to have multiple backups but then if they want to follow it all the way through they then say and of course you should check your backups to make sure that they're good backups so yeah that's it's a lot of work it's yeah. a lot of work just to just to you know all i'm doing is sitting here administrating my machine all the time that's exactly. one of the reasons i left windows actually but no i think that would be an excellent uh, an excellent process process and do you do you support growl do you have growl support not yet i'm actually looking at uh at growl specifically because a lot of people want uh email notifications or, or other various notifications okay so it's okay. it's on my long list of, of <laughs> to do i personally want to add yeah <laughs> and and another question i'd got on on uh how how you could use or whether it works and i think i read this in the support article on on the website was um but i just wanted your confirmation is if if i've got a machine with a scheduled uh, carbon clock copy uh, cloner backup um and a, i've got a schedule um i've got multiple unit users on the same machine uh presumably it backs up the whole machine but does it also back up a schedule if it's only on the login window for the user uh it doesn't matter you can be logged in or not logged in. It will uh, still run but, that schedule. Yeah, the schedule task runs as a background application. So even if you don't see the interface where it's backing up, it, it won't show the interface at the login window. But, yeah, it's, as long as the system is, is awake and on, it'll back up. Excellent. And if it happens to be asleep when the schedule task comes along, it, uh, it'll just pick it up as soon as you wake it up. Superb, superb. Well, I think that's that's enough about carbon copy clone. I, I'm I'm really quite. I've got to take a, a really in depth look now. I think I might have to uh, be getting it on perhaps one of my other ship machines. So I've got uh, multiple routes of uh, backup policy, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be coming your way. I think certainly. Cool. Um, okay, so so moving on slightly, um, and I don't know whether you want to uh, answer the next question or not. Is um, I've written down App Store nightmare. Mm-hmm. Or the future. 
big fat disappointment mm. for me, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, yeah, it, it's been it's been something else since last October. Um, I actually have to now do more marketing than I've ever done before, which is none, uh, if I'm going to get noticed. The the problem is that I, I did actually submit my app to the App Store, and it was rejected. And I almost didn't submit it because, you know, some of the rules that, that Apple lays out, they, you know, I would have to fundamentally change my application for it to meet the requirements. Right. And I, I think that the the specific requirement that excludes my app in a, a huge class of applications, just it, it's... It's not what the users want and need. Yeah. Um, you know, you I'm, don't want your grandmother turning to the terminal to do various applica- do various tasks. You no. want to give her an application that will do it on her behalf. I, I assume but, that one of those rules is the fact that there's no root permissions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's, it's very disappointing because I think that this is a class of applications that, that a lot of people should be exposed to. You know, Definitely. It, there's Definitely. a lot of things that... that you need to do for the system that requires administrator privileges that you know you shouldn't be mucking about with that mucking with that stuff by yourself especially especially the way people you know and and this is just about everybody technical will say you should have a backup you should have a backup and if they've mm-hmm. not got if apple haven't allowed you know uh, especially cloners in in into the uh, app store because they deem that the time capsule is enough i they are missing a, a big trick but I, I wonder whether in the future they will, you know, we will get some rule changes and, and, and apps like, your, you know, your carbon copy clone will be allowed in, in the future and whether this is still, uh, you know, very early toddler steps for the for the Mac App Store. I hope so because I think there are a few, you know, a few you know, different apps which also have to do the same thing which, uh, you know, aren't being allowed in. Um, yeah. That, that I, really I should that. be oh. there. Yeah. And, you know, it was it's... I look back at the initial iOS um, iPhone release, and if you, it's hard to even remember this, but when the iPhone first came out, the only apps that ran on it were the ones that Apple shipped with it. And there was a huge cry out, you know, open up the APIs and, and all this other stuff. And the fact of the matter is it's a brand-new device, brand-new operating system, and it, it was so new that Apple didn't want to, to basically push out beta APIs for developers to use because they might change. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that right now the reason that they have this type of rule in place is they just don't want to do an in-depth security analysis of all of the applications that elevate through privileges. Yeah, I wonder whether they're just they're just ra- you know ramping it up so that they can see just what sort of uh, resources they have to allocate to it. They you know they're now pretty I think pretty much up to speed with how many resources they have to allocate to um, uh, software that's being put to the iOS app store mm-hmm. uh, and perhaps that's the reason perhaps they you know they just don't want to throw you know which is is good from a certain point of view because it throws it shows you that, that you know they're still frugal they're still thinking about it they're not just throwing money you know every which way um you know from and from a company point of view that is certainly you know good management but obviously mm-hmm. i think it is slightly disappointing from um, from a lot of aspects uh, from the user side and from certainly the developer side. Yeah. The, the other thing that would have to change for me, though, is, I mean, if I ever did charge for CCC, is I mean, 30% is is preposterous. Yeah. But frankly, it's, prepo- it's laughable. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at other 
services that that would basically give the functionality that I need the the web store kind of front end like fastspring fastspring takes eight point nine percent which is totally reasonable considering that they provide you know tax reporting and well i I did hear this on another podcast and i can't remember which one it was but i I, I did hear it mentioned in a maybe just maybe there may be other app stores that some i mean bodega is one that that a lot of people say that is what the the mac app store should have been um but i just wonder whether there are going to be other companies that say okay well you know we've created an application um and on that application you can start buying software and we have no restrictions on the type of software etc cetera, etc cetera, and they take out you know much lower proportion of the money that goes to the developers so you know i just wonder whether we'd, we'll see that in the future or not quite possibly um i just hope that that mac users would use it that that's i think the the biggest shared fear among developers mm. that that didn't get into the app stores are users going to see that app store icon in their dock and go no further yeah yeah i think a lot i think a lot won't which is scary and that's where the marketing piece comes in for me yes you know without the app store people went to google and now with the app store i have to market so much harder to get my message in front of them. Maybe if I could sell ads in the app store, that would be cool. <laughs> and again, I think this is something, you know, I, I think the the whole purchasing and upgrade pricing, I think all of, I think the app store will change as it, as it moves on. Um, and, you know, perhaps it's because we expect so much from Apple when they first release something, you know, because they, they do such a good job at just about hitting it out of the ballpark first time round. Not every time, I'll admit, but very often they do that. So perhaps what that's why there's a bit of disappointment. Excellent. Well, where can people contact you, or where can they find you uh, on the interwebs then, Mike? Uh, the best place is just my website, bombic.com. I've got uh, a tab for contact me. Um, obviously, support is best to go through help.bombic.com. I'm very active on support. Uh, I try to answer everything within 12 hours. Um, which is, I think, pretty stellar for a free product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike at Bombic dot com. I'm happy to get your emails. Do you use Twitter at all? Uh, mostly for reading. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't do too much tweeting. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I absolutely search for uh, for carbon copy cloner related stuff, and I answer uh, questions quite frequently on there, or try to get them to the help desk. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely. I've got the ear to the ground on Twitter. Well, thanks very much for letting me interview you, and uh, I, I just, I'm glad that you're, you know, going forward with the with the application because it's certainly the first one that I looked at, and it's, you know, slapped my wrist. I need to come back and have another look at it, and I know, I, that, I hope that a lot of people do. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will, and also hit that donation button. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks very much. My pleasure. If you're a fan of Apple's iOS devices, such as the iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, and even the Apple TV, please listen to my new podcast called The Pocket Size Podcast. It's available on MyMac.com and, well, even iTunes if you search really, really hard. Anyway, it stars myself, Scott, and my co-host, Peter. And don't forget about me, your loyal and faithful Macintosh computer. You were going to mention me, weren't you? Uh, sure. Pocket Size Podcast is a MyMac.com podcast. Find it at MyMac.com. Thank you for listening. 
We won't forget you, the little people. You do know that if I could record and edit this entire podcast on my iPhone, I would do it, right? Ouch. That hurts. I'm going into sleep mode now. And welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Mike. I... I had a great chat with him. Actually, we we went on and on for quite a bit longer than the uh, the recording you got there. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll perhaps have him on again sometime. So we mentioned um, in the first segment about RAM and getting lots of RAM, and I've recently actually um, purchased eight gigabyte from Crucial for the Mac Mini that I'm using as that media server downstairs, mm-hmm. and I must admit. It does fly now when I'm doing ripping and, um, you know, when I'm doing uh, encoding and all that sort of stuff. And and certainly with MetaX, um, putting stuff onto some of the rips I've got, it does absolutely fly through now. The machine I'm using today, my my hardy 13-inch MacBook Pro, I actually put 8 gig of RAM in in it this morning, uh, funnily enough. This morning? Yeah, I've been meaning to do it for quite a long time, but I recently have started using this as my main machine at work, which means I'm running a lot of VMs, virtual machines. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the more RAM you have, the better those run. So um, I've uh, I took the plunge, and okay, I, and I, I, when I did it, I thought, why didn't I do this a long time ago? It really is. A, it's a trivial procedure to put um, <laughs> eight gig in in the, one, in the new Unibody laptops. It really is a five minute job. Now, now as as the systems have gotten faster, they've kind of upped the RAM a bit. Now they will come, I think, with about two gig as standard, which is is fine as long as you start don't start doing anything sort of hefty. But as soon as you do, really, what you want to do is try and avoid the machine constantly spooling to disk because that's yes. what slows it down. Yes, uh, and uh, it can become a real bottleneck. And that article we were talking about before the break about. Um, First shop five that John Farr was uh, first shop CS five that John John Farr was saying that eight gigabyte transformed his experiences and that that's a prime example um, where you know first shop's got an awful lot going on in memory and if it runs out of memory it just has to dump something to, to the disk until it's dealt with what it's doing and then pull it back again and it really does slow it down and eight gigabytes most of the machines will take eight gigabytes as standard now and it's not expensive and you really have future proofing machine at that point you probably added at least two three years to its life well i certainly when i first got uh, the mini I, I had a look at the eight gigabyte that was available and it was even with from crucial and there are obviously other memory suppliers out there um the the price from the other suppliers seemed to be still roughly the same as the price on apple's website but obviously yeah. that has now changed and the price came down and i had a look at the uh, the price before christmas and i thought okay well i'm, I'm going to get i'm just going to go for it and do it now but they didn't have any stock and it seemed mm. a, for about a month there was no stock and then just after christmas it it or just after New Year, I think, in fact, it was. I thought, right, they've now got it in stock. And it was cheaper. It was even cheaper than before. Not much cheaper, but it was cheaper. So, you know, double, well, double bonus, yeah. really. I mean, RAM, RAM is famously volatile in prices. Yes. You do have to be yes. careful. And, and it's certainly true that when Apple changes their motherboards to use a later version of RAM, then you'll have a period of probably about five, six months after that, when it, wherever you get it from, whether you get it from Apple or a third party, it'll be expensive. So yep. I would, unless you need that RAM to start with, I would not normally recommend that you do it at that point. But this machine here, for instance, is just over a, uh, is it over a year old? Maybe, uh, yeah, it must be 
just over a year old now. Right. Uh, and I paid for eight, eight gigabytes of RAM. That's, that I paid £64. I actually got mine from Amazon rather than uh, Crucial. Yeah. It was like, slightly more expensive on Crucial. Uh, site than, than the Amazon price, but the stuff I got was guaranteed to work with uh, MacBook Pro, um, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, sixty pounds you can pay that for a for a decent case or a, a, a laptop bag or something like that. It's a, it's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things. And when when you're talking about performance and you know giving you a little a better experience on the the machine, then you've got to go for it, haven't you? You've got to go for absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah, and, definitely and worth a go. Now, talk, worth a go. talking about performance. And I'm taking a bit of a wide shot here. I, I can't remember. It must have been a week, perhaps a week and a half or so ago. My uh, iPad turned off. And it, it just It's done this before. And I've had to press the reset button on the top. And it's come back on after a few uh, depresses of the button. And it, it only happens occasionally. I've had it just happen occasionally. And I thought, okay, you know, I've lived with it because it's kind of turned back on relatively quickly. Well, this particular day, it wouldn't. It just wouldn't come on at all. I'd press right. the home button and the reset button. I'd press either button individually. I'd leave it, let it rest, press both together, nothing. So I obviously put some tweets out there and somebody said, well, plug it into your, um, open up iTunes, plug it into your um, machine and then press the home and the reset button at the same time. Give it a second and it'll recover. And it did. It, it, now, it didn't do a reset of the machine. It didn't do a complete a reinstall. It, mm. it recovered itself. Um, right. Now, I mean, the iOS system, and we're, we're getting on to the performance side a little bit now, has been pretty stable. And thinking about it, it's only been since we've had 4.2 and the availability of multitasking that I've seen these glitches. Yeah, and, and I would agree with you i've definitely had to reboot my both my iphone and my, my iphone 4 and my ipad more frequently since we went to 4.2 on both devices and it's you know unfortunately this is the um this is the the kind of the devil's bargain we made by getting going to a multitasking <laughs> system because you know i mean not only do do i've had to reboot the machines more regularly but also i get much many more crashes with applications where they just you know, just drop out and you go back to them and then you kind of figure out where you're up to. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, I, because I think some developers haven't really modified their code to reflect that multitasking is going on, uh, and then also you've got a limited amount of RAM in the iPad itself, um, and, you know, if that, if that kind of gets corrupted or there's a memory leak or something, the whole thing will fall over. We are seeing these sorts of... Um, these sorts of problems. And it's yeah. a bit of a shame, really. I, some, so, so in some you, ways, I, I would. In some ways, it would be nice if we could kind of wind the clock back and maybe go back to. to more <laughs> stable. Well, it's not just. It's not. Um, it's not as bad as you know some systems you use. Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, for me, it's not been. You know, it's not too much of an issue at all. It's just been occasionally it's happened. Now, I wondered, and I'm going to ask you whether you've done this. Have you done a complete reinstall of? your operating system on the devices at all well, to see if I that's... Haven't. I mean, that, that is... I know that, that that can fix many, many ills. Um, it's kind of... You know, you are talking last week about the new can pay. That's kind of like the new can pay option for an iOS device. It's mm. completely restore it, reset it to factory, and then resync all of your data. The problem is is that mine is set up with several mail accounts, one of which is a, is a work account for an exchange, and 
Um, I've got my calendars set up the way I like and everything, and all that stuff would have to be redone manually after I'd resynced all my data. Um, and I'm, that's something I just don't really have the time to do. But no, it would be no. interesting to see whether that actually would resolve some of these problems. Of course, obviously, as you say, if it's some uh, particular application's code that's not working correctly, then it's not going to fix it, is it? So. No, it doesn't. And, and there have been a couple of apps that I use regularly on my iPad on the um, 3. Point whatever it was, 3.2. Um, and when we went to 4.2, um, they became unstable to the point I had to delete them. And they've now apparently been modified to uh, to fix the problems. But I, yeah. I've, I've moved on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You, you do, don't you? think, well, that was yesterday's problem. That's, that's right, yeah. So it's like, well, I'm not, I'm, 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 I've found a different way of doing that particular task now, so I'm not going to go back to that. Again. <laughs> you know, Fail. You are, dead, you are dead to me, yes. Yeah. Now... We're so fickle, aren't we? We are, we are. And, and talking about fickle, um, today's problem. Okay, let's give you today's problem. Sticking with the iOS devices, what do you think yeah. about the new, the, the new iPhone screws which are being used? And apparently those um, screw, screws are also being used on some of the... Uh, the Macs, I believe. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe they've done this to us. I'm going to actually take all my Apple gear, pile it up in a pile, and then take an axe to it. As a, as a, I'm so affronted. Can you sense the heavy irony in my voice here? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I can. Right? Okay. So, so here's my perspective on this. Um, I had to look on eBay this morning. Mm-hmm. And for about three quid, I can get a screwdriver that can open those, those screws up. Yeah, no, I can't, can't remember what they're called now. They've got their pentalobe. That's they're basically it, like the, uh, it. the little star-shaped screws that have been used it. in the past, which yeah, are They're rounded, aren't they? Screws, but they, they have one less thing on them. So, um, and, and, yeah, there's been an awful lot of overheated rubbish on the internet about how this is a plot <laughs> to stop people from servicing their equipment. And I, mean, I take the view that I look at an iPhone, I don't see that really as a user-serviceable device. I mean, it's a... no. Tiny no. piece of miniaturized, highly expensive uh, electronics. And the, the last, I mean, know what I'm like. If I opened it up, it, the thing would be full of dust and crumbs and baby biscuits <laughs> and all sorts before I even blinked. The last thing I want to do is actually open the thing up and start messing around with it. I can understand if, you're, if you've broken your screen how you might want to say, OK, well, I can take it to Apple and they'll charge me whatever it is. I think it's about £120, maybe $150. To th- and they change it for another one, for a refurb one, if you have yeah. a out-of-warranty or a non-warranty problem with it. Now, to me, I think that's actually a pretty fair deal. You've kind of been a klutz, <laughs> a clumsy oaf, and you've bust your screen, and you go in there, and for much less than the price of a new one, they change it for you. I think that's pretty fair. I do... You understand, though, so for some people that that is still an affront and they want to get the cheapest screen possible and yep. they want to spend £60 and, or $60 or whatever it is and, and get the, um, you know, go through the stress of taking the thing apart and replacing it themselves. To me, it would never be quite the same again. I'd rather change it out, but each to their own. However, from Apple's point of view, if they have standard screws on there and you go and do that and you mess it up and then you go to them and say you want a new device. They've got a device that's probably junk at that point. So I can understand why they might want to um, 
you know, make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, well, I, 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 I just give people pause for thought. Yeah. But what I certainly don't think is 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 that this is some, um, you know, Machiavellian plot to try and ban no. users from getting inside the devices if they no. want to. No, I mean, pe- the people that are that determined will do. I, I, I think it'll also discourage your, you know, your average user that sees, oh, I've got one of those screwdrivers, I'll just, I think I can fix this, because they do something wrong or something has happened, and they try and do it. And it, it'll discourage those people as well because you've you know you've got to go out and find one of these screwdrivers which you can find and you will be able to find and you know it kind of it helps the official um service agents for apple as well because you know they've they've got to have the tools and it it you know encourages people to perhaps take a look at those people as well so yeah i don't think there's any big now macworld we're not there Sad face, sad face from both of us. We uh, we mentioned it at the start of the show briefly. Um, yeah. Obviously, Guy and Tim are there, and they're going to be doing. And a few, I think, some a few of the other team are going to be there at, at Matwell as well. I believe is that correct? Yeah, there's, some, there's normally a couple of locals. Yeah, to, pop in, then, pop by, and. Um, uh, they're going to be doing. Yeah, they're going to be doing a bit of uh, a few shows. So um, um, I think David and I are going to be watching from afar. So we'll probably give you our views. I mean, I've seen the tweets going through and the news on it today already, and I'm thinking, yeah. And both and both of us actually had a. We didn't have a go, but we called. (laughs) We called Guy Git. So, perhaps so, we, so, so if, any, if we've got any followers... for Macworld, and we just replied back, git. Yes, yes. So he, he didn't really understand what we were on about. I think there was a bit of a cultural gap there. Yes. Yeah, so, like, so would you like to explain to everybody, and probably Guy, who may well be listening, <laughs> what we meant? Guy, Guy sort of quizzically repeat, replied back to me when he finally saw this. He said, git where? Git to where I'm going? Or... <laughs> what's the meaning? He doesn't really understand what... what no, he was either being... Fantastically yes. ironic, yeah, or 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 a little bit dim. I, I, <laughs> I leave our listeners to, to draw their own conclusions about that. Anyway, um, but uh, but yes, obviously there's a cultural thing. The word "git" in Britain is used as a as a slightly um, a slightly mild <laughs> term. Yes, of, yes. Of, uh, when somebody's being being maybe a little bit annoying or kind of bothering you a little, <laughs> <laughs> or or you're you're unhappy that they're having the experience that you would like to have. Indeed, and, yeah. and uh, all I'd like to say, guy, if you are listening, is it's all meant with love. Absolutely. Yeah, we love you, guy. Yeah. Git. Git. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> now the name of this podcast is Ten Thousand Dollars. You're having a laugh. Uh, well, would you would you like to tell the listeners is, why? I, I, I actually I read this as well, and this was quite hilarious. Um, obviously, Apple have been running their customary competition for when they reach a milestone in the um, on the iTunes store, uh, and um, it was a the ten ten billionth. 10 millionth, 10 billionth, 10 billionth app. 10 billionth download from the iTunes store and uh, happened to be an application. It was run by a a, a lady here in the UK, actually, who... Yay, um, go Brits! (laughs) But of course, you know, (laughs) this tells tells you a little bit about the British character here. (laughs) Because what happens is Apple rings her up to say, congratulations, you've won, you've just won. Are uh, ten billion that download and as quick as a flash, she tells me, "Thanks very much. I'm not interested in what you're selling. Goodbye." And I'm on the phone. 
brilliant. That because, is just brilliant. Because that's what telemarketers do, is they ring up and say, you won a, a holiday yes. in the Seychelles. All you need to do is come to our four-hour yes. timeshare presentation. <laughs> and that's exactly what she thought it was. <laughs> At which point her kids have, you know, conniptions because they were the ones who had actually downloaded the applications and they knew what the competition was and said, no, no, we've just won $10,000 worth of iTunes downloads. <laughs> so the poor lady then rings up Apple support. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> it, gets, it gets better, doesn't it? It just gets better. And you can just imagine some poor tech support analyst sat there with their script in front of them in a call centre <laughs> and they get to the phone and say, oh, yes, hello. I've just had a call from Apple headquarters in Cupertino telling me I've just won the 10 that we've app downloads. Can you put me through, please? Yeah, yeah and, and the guy's thinking, that's, guy number, said, that is, that's number 58. Nat- <laughs> naturally, the guy was, didn't have that on his script and probably did not have a, a list of the, uh, you know, the top Appropriate replies. To yes. through, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she didn't get very far with that. But it, all's well that ends well. They did actually bring her back a few hours later and um, they apparently are now going to get their, their $10,000 of iTunes credit and um, they're actually going to buy some new Apple products as well to make, make use of those. So it kind of works out in the end. But I just, just they thought that was just typical Brit, which was, you know, I could just imagine my wife doing that, you know. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Stop bothering me again. Goodbye. Take me off your list, please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> never, yeah, it would if she said, never ever ring me again. <laughs> <laughs> and you're running to the phone going, no, no. Just imagine the conversation back in Cupertino was, well, well should, we, should we really stick with this or should we just sue somebody else? <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Absolutely superb. I have been trying out uh, a wood pad. Now, guess what the wood pad does, David? It's a pad for your wood. Close. <laughs> it's actually a stand for your iPad, but it's wooden. Right. Now, it's from a company over here in the UK uh, called woodpad.co.uk. And basically, it's a, it's a stand for your iPad. Now, you know, yes, yes, we do mock them and mock them and mock them. But I got sent this free gratis, and I'm going to give it away. Um, now, this uh, stand can actually have it has two angles basically it's very basic you pop the ipad and i've actually used it with my current um case the apple case that i've got on the ipad and it can it still stands up at the um the higher angle um the more upright um side it doesn't stand up quite so well but um the other side it, it use even with the case it's fine and i've tried it obviously without the case and it puts the ipad at two Different, slightly different angles. Um, you can put it in portrait and landscape, but there, there's no hole at the bottom for you to actually uh, charge it. So really, it's just for display purposes. But it's it's a neat little stand. I quite like it because I I <clears throat> I often um, just lay in bed at night and I'll plug my earphones in and just watch a film and, and doze off. And uh, for that, sometimes the stand that I've got, the case, the apples, when I try and use that stand, it. it you do have to kind of press down to make sure it doesn't flop over. So, yeah. anyway, I've got this, and they've sent it through to me, and it's the wood that they've sent me is, is Sapel. Now, I've got no idea what that is. 
It's uh, Sapel, this is a well-known African hardwood. I knew you'd know. You're, you're, you're the fountain of all knowledge. Uh, uh, well, no, I, I, have, I have a direct line to Wikipedia, actually. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, uh, this is the key thing here. Effectively, this is... Um, this is it's, uh, they, they actually make it in five different hardwoods, but this they is... Do. Uh, this Sapel is, is, like, is very like mahogany, but obviously mahogany is... Um, somewhat endangered nowadays so this yes. is obviously a, uh, a mahogany substitute so it does look like mahogany it's kind of a dark thing and apparently it's used in the um interior wood trim of cadillac vehicles so there you anyone, go anyone in america's got a, a nice cadillac with the wood trim has got knows exactly what that looks like but it's kind of a like dark browny reddy wood so it's very, it's very attractive I, I, yeah they are actually it go very much in our living room because our living room we've got a lot of uh, woods in there so i've got a feeling i'm going to be going back and i might just get one because it often just sits in there and it's got the photos rolling through so you know i may come back and, and and be buying one of these for myself but the one i've got i'm going to give it away guy doesn't know about this tim doesn't know about this you know about it david and now yep. our listeners know about it so send don't send it into feedback send it into gaz at mymac.com and just in the subject line put woodpad that's all you, you need go. to do, and then in a couple of weeks, it'll be a couple of weeks, because I'm actually not going to be here next week, so you might be getting another call, you know, David, from Guy, <laughs> <coughs> because I, I'm actually travelling to France next week, so I, I'm, we're on a conference, and I'm, I think I'm going to be pretty tied up. Uh-huh. Um, so just send that email in to me, gaz at mymac.com. In the subject line, put woodpad, and in a couple of weeks, I'll pull out a winner and get it sent over to somebody. Uh, at Very my good. own cost, I must say. <laughs> that, that could be a bad move, couldn't it? Really. <laughs> anyway, well, it doesn't. It doesn't look to be too. No, it's not too, too bulky. No, it's so. not too bad. It's not too bad. So, yeah. Now, you'll do you send it, send it surface transport, and then you'll get it within the next six months? That's yeah. right. <laughs> hey, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> now, the next thing is app recommendations. Mm. Would you like to go first here? Uh, I'm perfectly willing to. Good. Uh, I've got. I've got an app. Actually, I. I uh, one of my followers was was tweeting about about how good it was uh, recently, um, and this is a bit of a hidden gem for the iPad. It's called Touch Draw. Um, it's from a developer called Eleven Soft, I think. Uh, and basically, Touch Draw is uh, if you've ever used Visio or OmniGraffle, then this is an equivalent program for the iPad. Now, OmniGraffle is available on the iPad, and uh, from what I've heard, it's very good, but it's quite expensive. And TouchDraw isn't. It's only $5, or about three ninety nine. Uh, and um, there's two things that are great about it. First of all, it's a great program. It's very well done. It's very classy. It has all of the functions that you would expect from a Visio-type program. And I've used it an awful lot in business to generate... Um, Diagrams. I really love being able to do diagrams when I'm sat in front of the TV with the iPad or if I'm on a plane or a train or something like that rather than having to do it. I hate doing diagrams on, on a PC or a Mac because fiddling around with a mouse trying to get boxes into just the right position and drawing lines between them is a pain in the neck. It's very, very intuitive doing it with your finger on the iPad. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is... For, for the very low entrance cost compared to um, competitive products like OmniGraffle and what have you, um, the developer really goes the extra mile on this program. It, it's it's updated on a, such a regular basis, and every time they fix a whole load of bugs, 
and then they also add a pile of new features. Um, in recent weeks, it's, it's gained layers, um, it's gained um, kind of templates, it's gained the ability to export in native Visio formats, you can send stuff straight to Visio. Um, it really is an absolutely fantastic program. And um, to me, even though it's... Uh, Obviously, these programs are typically aimed at doing business drawings. You can actually use it for all sorts. You can put photos in there. So if you want to lay out photos on a page and then import that into a document, then you can do that as well. Um, if, you, if you want to label up or caption photos, it's fantastic for that. So um, it really is an absolutely outstanding program. For the money, it's, it's a real, real bargain. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think I'm going to have to take a look at that one. Yeah, I? Touch Drawer. I definitely recommend it. And, um, you know, it's uh, definitely one of the hidden gems of the app store for me superb well i've got um uh, an application which was recommended to me by uh pat man who's uh, a twitter friend who i uh, often converse with and <clears throat> i've got two daughters now they like singing one actually one sings for uh county youth so she really loves singing yeah. um and they like to see or they like to have the lyrics occasionally. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps they don't know that they like to have the lyrics, but sometimes I'd like them to sing the same song that's coming out of the speakers. <laughs> yeah. And it's best to have the lyrics. Now, Lyrica 2, uh, from, I think it's from, the, the website is actually muffinstory.de, so it's a, a German company. <clears throat> And what Lyrica 2 does is basically it can add the lyrics into um, the iTunes lyric section because I don't know if you noticed, if you go into information on each of your songs, uh, there is a segment, a tab there, where you can actually store the lyrics. Now, what, why is this useful? Well, one, obviously when you're on your... Uh, Macintosh, you can see the lyrics and sing along. Well, that's, that's good, but you can probably do that by browsing anyway. But Lyrica 2 can obviously add those lyrics, and it can do it by your playlists, or it can add it to the song that you've got currently. Um, and if you've got a playlist which you obviously um, have on your on your phone or your iPod Touch. If you add those lyrics into uh, the iTunes section where it can store the lyrics of the song, those lyrics will appear on your iPhone when you're playing that song. Wow. So really it's, good. it's really good. What's good about this is it, it it's talking to multiple databases in the background, but... Yep. You may ask, oh, why do I need this if I have Google? Well, the problem with Google searches for lyrics is that when you get the lyrics up, you never know whether it's the official lyrics or whether it's somebody who's listened to it and has tried to interpret the lyrics. And, you know, you get some pretty weird and wacky stuff if you go down that route, let me tell you. Um, so, so the fact that you're kind of getting official lyrics with this is good. Um, yeah. And uh, also it's worth pointing out, I'm just looking on the App Store now, it's actually... Um, it's actually on a 50% discount at the moment yes. because it's recently been released. So um, if this sounds like the sort of thing that floats your boat, it's probably worth trying to get it now while, uh, while it's half, half off. So it's only That's 99 right. cents or 59p. That's correct. Good one. Okay, so, David, now definitely we are probably running late. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect nothing less. We must be way, 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 over. way, way, way over. Um, so where can people contact you? Well, probably the best bet is um, um, to go to the uh, Tech Fan podcast on the MyMac website and all our contact details are on there. But um, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm David B. Cohen on Twitter. 
Excellent. Well, I'm going to, even though he's not here, I'm going to tell. You can contact Guy at guy at mymac.com or you can contact Guy at twitter.com forward slash macparrot. There I'm, never gonna, I'm never going to get away with that, am I? I've got to do it every I, time now. I, I'm surprised, actually, he's not built it into his little soundboard application. <laughs> yeah, he probably has. He just, <laughs> he just likes me to do it, because I, I sometimes change the delay, you see. <laughs> um, you can contact me and remember the competition. Well, competition is just a little prize draw for the one uh, wood pad that I've got. Uh, is Guy, uh, Gaz, and he's oh, nearly repeated <laughs> Guy. I'm losing it. It's too long. It's too early. I'm not used to podcasting this early in the day. I know, exactly. <laughs> it's Gaz. It's, 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 uh, it's, early, it's early evening here rather than late at night. That's right. That's right. I'm just, you know, I'm just drinking my Red Bull later to keep awake <laughs> when I'm doing it with Guy. Um, perhaps rephrase that, but I won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's gaz at mymac.com or you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash gazmaz and remember I get told off if I don't mention you can call us on Skype that's 703 436 9501 yeah I've never called that number I must get around to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can also contact anybody it goes to to a major dump in the mymac email service which is feedback at mymac.com so anything else you can send there as well thanks very much david i've enjoyed it i hope you have i certainly have always a pleasure thanks very much bye thanks for downloading the mymac.com podcast please send all feedback to feedback at mymac.com or call our skype number and leave a message the phone number is 703-436-9501 If you enjoyed the MyMac.com podcast, make sure you check out the other family of podcasts, all from MyMac.com and all free on iTunes, including The Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute with Sam Levin, and Tech Fan with Tim Robertson. 